you must plan accordingly, as they say. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I need a new umbrella. I'm broke. What kind of umbrella you rock? What do you use? You use like a, a huge like umbrella, or you do one of those no, like no. first jobbies? It's a little like compact umbrella that you press the button, and so the button's broken. Like it won't properly work. Um, and it was just like a it was an Amazon purchase that lasted a couple of years. So mm-hmm. I just need to get a new one. So you've yet to reach that age where you've like invested in a serious business umbrella, because I feel like that's a rite of passage for people, you know. Where they just um, get that huge, like, you know, long umbrella. Sometimes it's got, like, the double flaps on there so it doesn't turn inside out. Where it's just, like, you know. Yeah. I I'm, mean, I guess I could, but I'm also one of those, like, it has to be raining like a motherfucker for me to use an umbrella. Mm. Really. Like, yeah. realistically, to me, there is there's dry rain and then there's rain. Dry it's rain. Two very different say. things. Okay, okay. And dry you know rain is you, you can walk out to your car and you will have a cup like you'll have a little bit of droplets on you. Ain't that bad. It might look bad. You can walk through it just fine. No yeah. big deal. <laughs> not quite a mist. Not quite a, a sprinkling. But it's a little heavier than that. You're not going to notice it, though, in the grand scheme of things. It's a dry rain. You're still dry. Then there's rain rain. Hmm. And then there's soaked. I totally understand what you mean. And you know what? Yeah. I agree with you. I'm I'm a non-umbrella person because, you know, I don't have hair that needs to be like, you know, perfectly quaffed all the time or anything. It's just, you know, I, I have a brush in my car. If it gets a little out of out of place. Yeah, I do, too. I just brush it right back. And so, yeah, I don't I don't use an umbrella hardly at all. You know, unless it's just like serious. fidgeting, hmm. constantly fidgeting with my hair, though. Like, so you'd think I'd care more about it. But I'm like, nah, nah, it'll be fine. I'll figure it out. <laughs> there you go. The humidity down here fucks up my hair anyway, so oh, God. it's bound to bound to happen. Yeah. I'm 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 trying to grow it out a little bit again. I want it to be like roughly what it was like September November of last year. That's like my so I know the exact amount of months that I need cuz I know <laughs> <laughs> I know how long I went without a haircut. So basically I'm not cutting it for the rest of the year for sure. Um and yeah, I'm kind of I'm going for I like I, I miss my shaggy dog look that I had in between um, the the quarantine times there. Yeah, literally the only thing I miss. My, <laughs> my hair does this thing where it just it gets to a certain length and it stops every time without fail. And I know that's because of like, Is, you know, I'm not putting all the appropriate stuff in it to make. it. Oh, OK. You know, hold on and then not break off or whatever. But yeah, it just like, I was going to ask what was probably not a question one should ask and you can cut it out. You know, I opened the door, so I'm, okay. I'm eager to hear is what this that is. A thing with black hair. Yeah. Breakage. Absolutely. Oh, breakage. I, yes, I am. I, I, I am aware of breakage, but not growing past a certain length. You have to no. do very special things for that to happen. No, it's just me okay. because I have, okay. I have weaker hair. My brother, on the other hand, you know where you used to see like the Bible characters illustrated in like the old school like Bible illustrations where they have like mm-hmm. the huge thick black beard and the yeah. very bushy hair. That's him if he doesn't get it taken care of <laughs> after a while. And I'm so jealous because he'll get on like you know our weekly family Zoom calls and he'll just look straight up like a, a bro out the 80s. And I'm like, I want that. How come? Come on, you know. Ah, uh, that's a good look, man. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. he looks like he's about to sell Soul Glow or or Colt forty five yeah. or something like that, and yeah. he just you know he can he can attract someone with that. Yeah, and he's just yeah. like you know I'm gonna get it cut soon. I'm like no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, people were like that when I grew this last when I had my hair really long. Yeah. In January, mm. I mean that was the longest I've had it in years, and mm-hmm. I definitely had people going don't cut it, and I was like. <laughs> Bold of you to assume I will ever fucking listen to you. I do not like my hair that long. I do not want to grow it back out that long again. It's a thing of convenience. And if I wasn't, like, you know, uh, obligated by law never to shave again, I would shave my beard, like, every other month just because. I feel like, and I also feel like people forget how long it was. What? In that particular. Your hair? No, no, no. Like okay. my hair. Like when they're saying that, I'm like, I don't think you realize how long my hair is right now. Mm. Like it does not look good. <laughs> <laughs> you may say it looks good. I disagree. You know, these people, they, they don't know that we don't know what to do with all the excess, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, for you, it may just, oh, I'm going to throw in a ponytail or I'm going to braid it up or whatever, you know? But no, it's just... I can't braid. I don't know. Like, what do you do? It's like you don't know what to do with your hands when you're standing, you know? <laughs> it's yeah, like that. I... Yeah, I, I very much feel that way. I figured out how to manage it and mm. i can i can style it to the point where i am when i get to that like i said like i want my shaggy dog length hair back yeah whatever length that may be i'll, I'll see as i go um i know how to style it even then and it's pretty similar to what i do right now with shorter hair once it gets past a certain point though once it starts like hitting my shoulders and shit like i i really don't know what to do ah gotcha and i don't like it other than I do like sometimes doing the like um uh like samurai ponytail. Ah, look. yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it is, but I also am like, eh, my forehead's too big. I don't know about this. And then I just don't do it. We'll just get bangs. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's one of those weird things where That's always the suggestion, isn't it? I don't know, man. I'm I'm a dude. I used to have bangs that did not look good on me. I'm I just saying. I'm blind to that type of stuff when it comes to, like, hair and fashion and all. It's like, okay, this is the way you look now. Great. I'm not just like, oh, no, that doesn't work for you. I'm just, oh, okay, cool. This is you now. Awesome. Good job. Yeah. I wish I had that. <laughs> I do not. I very much see certain changes, and I'm like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I was I was bothering Eric the other day because I was like, I think you should do this with your hair or whatever. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, it was, it was, it was basically like, how about, nah. I'm like, I liked when you had the short hair, but like, you have naturally wavy hair. And, and like, I was like, get, telling him what I liked. And then I realized I was doing the same thing other people do to me. And I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> but, All yeah. right. Well, we got a lot of stuff to dig into this week. We should probably get started on that. We do. Yeah. We do. Yeah. Okay. What do we want to cover first? Um, it's kind of fading out of the news cycle a little bit. Hmm. It, it literally happened the following day after we recorded last week. Okay. Um. So Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney. What? Not ScarJo. Listen, I'm Team ScarJo. Okay. I am in this. I realize that she says a lot of things, but all right. So. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> in this situation, I think Scarlett Johansson is 100% correct and doing the right thing, and it serves a larger purpose. Okay. Let me get into it. All right. Let me let me explain this to you, Matthew. Oh, I'm with you. So, this story comes from Variety. Okay. Uh, Scarlett Johansson sues Disney for breach of contract over Black Widow release. Hmm. So, as you all know by now, um, <laughs> Black Widow was released on Disney Plus at the same time as it was released in theaters. Oh yes. It was charging what was it twenty dollar rental nineteen ninety nine or thirty dollars. Thirty dollars. Thirty dollars to watch Black now, Widow. Now do you do you and you own it? Yes, you do. But oddly enough, I mean that that's not really a value add. If I can go on this little tear for a second, because if you subscribe to Disney Plus, you own you have access to the movie, right? Right. But if you subscribe to Disney Plus, <laughs> that movie should be on Disney Plus because yeah. it's part of the MCU. So I you're never agree. you're never at risk of losing access to this film. So it doesn't yeah. make any sense why they would arbitrarily yank it away from regular users again just to make me feel better about my $30 purchase. Anyway, continue. So in the lawsuit filed Thursday, this was last Thursday, mm-hmm. um, in Los Angeles Superior Court, attorneys for Johansson alleged that the star's contract was breached when the studio opted not to debut the film exclusively in theaters. Oh, boy. A move they claimed uh, depressed ticket sales for the Avengers spinoff. Hmm. I mean, I don't know how you could deny that. No, there's much no, of Johansson's yeah. much of Johansson's compensation was tied to the box office performance of um, Black Widow. If it hit certain benchmarks, bonuses would kick in. So wow. that's typically called making uh, making money off the back end of the film. Right. So this is how a lot of people stars, producers, uh, creators, maybe screenwriters, they make a lot of money after a certain point is reached. Okay. So this is they a make, common occurrence. Absolutely it is, yeah. especially the bigger you are. Um, sometimes when you see a TV show, for example, they move along in the series, and Tom Welling is now the executive producer of Smallville. Mm-hmm. He is getting more involved with it. He's getting more. He's theoretically should be making more money as well from certain rights and things like that. Uh, television is a little bit different, but yeah. So so more than likely her contract, um, which we don't have the whole contract here, but more than likely her con- contract was she is an executive producer of the film, probably. Mm-hmm. Usually when you have sequels like this, that is a negotiation thing. Or if it's an indie film, this is also a very common occurrence. So let's say Scarlett Johansson goes to make a little indie film. She's a huge star. She's bringing her name. Right. But they don't have enough money. So they're like, we're going to pay you. We, we only have so much. We're only going to pay you $100,000, mm-hmm. which for her is a drop in the bucket. She says, okay, but I'm going to be an executive producer. I'm going to make this amount of money on the back end of the film. If the film is successful, I will make X percentage off of it after it turns a profit. And also gain producer credit, which gives her more leverage in future ne- future negotiations. It's essentially an investment in yourself. By, and good agents know how to negotiate this properly. This movie should have done far better than what it did as far as the domestic box office is concerned. Now, now, yes, I'm glad you got there. 
I want to ask you, have you seen the film yet? I haven't. Okay. I'm terrible. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's, 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 that's <laughs> uh, not Scarlett Johansson is an executive producer on the film as well. Just okay. want to clarify that. Continue. So part of the reason I ask is because, yes, you're right. In, in, in this uh, continuing escalation of fervor for Marvel films, yes, you would think that a movie starring the star power, uh, featuring the star power of Scarlett Johansson, Rachel Wise, Florence Pugh, uh, that guy from uh, Stranger Things, whose name always escapes me now. David Harbour. David, David Harbour. Um, yeah. yeah, with with all of these parties involved, and the fact that it is, I, I think, the movie that's officially kicking off, like, Phase 4 or something like that, mm-hmm. um, you would think that people would be eager to go see this film. Um, but a lot of the reviews for it were kind of lukewarm going in, right? Right. So I do wonder, and and having seen the the film myself, I did enjoy it, but I can see how something like this should have been placed earlier in in the in the in the Marvel uh, you know film universe, just yes. because you know you're coming off of like all these amazing like groundbreaking films, and then you go back to this like you know cloak and dagger sort of thing, featuring a character who, if you've seen Endgame. You know this is a, a flashback because of you know her fate in that movie. Right. So you have to wonder like what's the urgency to rush out and go see a movie starring let's just say it a, a dead character, you know. And likewise, what is the urgency to release a film that is breaching contracts by releasing it via this new streaming service. That's true. But that's that's why I'm trying to separate that conversation from like Right. The basically what I'm getting to here is like you know, we're we're assuming that it would have done bigger numbers at the box office if it weren't available on Disney Plus. Where I'm not so sure that's the case because I, I think that the the anticipation for this film once um a, a certain rumored uh okay aspect of it was pretty much you know known as not happening let me let me let me throw this out there as a counter argument to you yeah one of the most anticipated films for me Mm. last year was a quiet place part two okay okay um was supposed to come out i believe in april of 2020 was obviously pushed back to october i think and then pushed back again to june of this year something along those lines Mm -hmm. i was so fucking excited for that movie i was like i'm gonna go see it in theaters i can't wait to watch this movie i still have not seen this movie right i have not i did not go to the theaters to see it and it is streaming right now i have not watched it streaming because I am not as excited to watch it at home as I would be to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go to the theater because I still feel weird about going to theaters. And I'm right. still figuring that part out. So I would have gone and seen Black Widow in theaters. I would have. I haven't even watched this movie yet because the whole experience of doing this is just weird. If it was a movie that I was kind of about in the first place, which I... I think there are more people that would have gone than you realize, but they're kind of like, eh, about it because of the circumstances that we're in. Okay. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Yeah. But I'm I'm saying, like, understanding that this movie had to be released right now 
because of where it stands in the overarching story of right, right, the right. MCU, what they're trying to do with the TV stuff, with the animation, everything, how it's all tied to have to release in order. And there yeah. are some aspects of this film, I'll, I'll say that without spoiling it, that that need to be in place for the next spate of Marvel TV stuff to work. Yeah, I have I have a guess as to why that is the case, but I will refrain from talking about that until I watch the movie, which I guess I should do this weekend. I don't know. <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny that. But I, I just want to I, I really you know what I'm concerned about watching that movie? Just yeah. this is a little side note, but I'm very concerned about how much I will fall in love with Frances Pugh oh, yeah. and how much I can't be with her. <laughs> Like that's going to that's going to destroy me a little bit. I have too much disappointment in my life right now, especially in romance. I can't love another woman who cannot love me back, Matthew. All right, I'm reining it back in. So, yeah. given the fact that it's on Disney Plus, let's just completely yes. forget that altogether. It's only in theaters right now, Lex. Right. Two weeks ago, it's only in theaters. Are you braving the theaters to go see Black Widow? Well, that's the point that I was making where I'm like, we're in we're in abnormal circumstances. Right. So where... I'm, I'm saying that even if that's the only option, you're not going to like risk your you're not going to break your neck to go see this movie anyway, because of the circumstances we're in, because of maybe a lukewarm and, you know, uh, eagerness for this from other people. So, OK, yes, every film is going to underperform right now. I understand yeah. that. But. At the same time, this lawsuit, in my opinion, is completely justified because you're talking about people, not just Scarlett Johansson, but other producers and whatnot, mm -hmm. who were expected to make a certain amount of money based off of this, based off of the contract. What Disney did by by not basically by not compensating them with some of the shares of this at home release, however big or small that may be, by by not doing this in a way that I I personally think that Disney could have probably avoided this altogether if they would have tried to compensate properly for this. Um, they basically took advantage of a loophole of yeah. like this isn't this wasn't a thing two years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Or three years ago when they were making the film, however long it's been since they made the film, when she had her contract drawn up. And by the way, there was a rumor that Emma Stone is going to be doing the same thing yeah. because of Corella. So, I mean, this is uh, – and, and you know, I give the, – the thing that I give Scarlett Johansson credit for is that she is kind of falling on the sword with this um, because – She's not really going to win in this situation. Right. She she's, she's looks like the the bitch attention who, to who wants more money. Yes. Yeah. She looks like, oh, she's the rich girl who wants more money. Like that's how some people are gonna view her. Um, some people are, you know, obviously there are gonna be some people who are gonna be on her side, but like most people do not understand how much money is made in this instance of the film industry. Like yeah. they do not understand how big of a paycheck that is, that they are being screwed out of basically because the industry decided to change overnight given the circumstances. And they kind of had to, but like 
it, it leaves we're going to have this transition period where um, the writer strike in 2007 yeah. Yeah. is another example of this where when you when you have a transition into a new medium, into a new form of making money in that particular circumstances, it was talking about DVD rights, how writers were not being compensated for their works um, when it comes to home releases of things. Um, you know, anytime you have this, there's going to be conflict because we're talking about money. Right. And I think Scarlett Johansson coming forward about this and basically being the first one, because you know they're all talking about this. Anyone who's in, you know, the producers, like these people are talking about how this fucking sucks. I lost X amount of money. I was expected, like, everyone's, you know, obsessed mm-hmm. with that money. She is a big name, a leading lady who stepped forward and it was like, yeah, I mean, this is fucked up. Um, I want to say that there was a story about possibly John Krasinski and Emily Blunt doing the same thing. Interesting. I didn't hear about that. But I'm going to say something that's going to surprise you right now. I sympathize with Scarlett Johansson in this case. Yeah. Because she's between a rock and a hard place. You know, she's she's um, already got that reputation as of late uh, <clears throat> of making some ill-advised decisions this is a it's a conversation that needs to be had just like you were saying this is this yes. is something that needs to come out that needs to be done because if she hadn't spoken up we wouldn't know we would have assumed oh disney must be giving them something yes. on the back end because this... kevin feige was adamant uh, vocally about these movies are only supposed to come out in theaters, you know? Yeah. He was the um, holdup or he was the, the vocal party. In right. A way. Right. And he's a, and he is a producer. So he right. is, he, that you're talking about his, his money as well. Yeah. Um, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt have not sued yet. Uh, they, according to a Bloomberg report from May, um, they were seeking financial compensation from Paramount Pictures after the studio shortened the theatrical release for Quiet Place 2, mm. basically because they did that. Um, they put it on Paramount Plus a lot sooner. They lost a lot of money off of theatrical releases. Once again, we're talking about the back the back end of it. It sounds like they might have, and it it could still be in the air, they might be negotiating. It sounds like Paramount is trying to do the smart thing, which is deal with this behind the scenes without having a whole fucking lawsuit. Not Disney, Uh, though. Which I'm (laughs) Well, that's what I'm very curious. Did did they, uh, you know, and this is, so, so Scarlett Johansson, it looks like, is the first one to actually sue. Right. Um, but Krasinski and Emily Blunt were, are, it sounds like, are for several months ago started negotiating and being like, "Hey, we're we're like ready to take action against you if you don't take care of us properly." Basically, right. Um. So this is like this is a really big deal. This is um. I, I mean, some people might have read the headline, viewed it one way or the other, or had no opinion on it at all, and then moved on. This is, but this is going to have larger implications in the film industry. Um, yeah. If not dealt with properly, it could lead to things that like this, like strikes, like you know, because Hollywood is one of the few industries in within the United States that has really strong unions, mm-hmm. and you know, you've got 
Scarlett Johansson's probably in a producer's guild because she's produced a couple of films. She's in an actor's guild because she's obviously been an actress for many years now. It's a smart thing to do. Yeah. And she more than likely has her own, not only her own lawyers, but she has people within these unions, higher ups going, yeah, we need to start thinking about this. We need to start dealing with this. Um, and it all trickles down. This could, this could help, you know, someone who is an, just an actor on Law & Order SVU or something like that, who is like, oh, they're not going to air it on NBC anymore in reruns. They're only going to air it on NBC Peacock or whatever the fuck. How am I going to make money off of the reruns? Well, this could be something that leads to better negotiations and contracts in the future that cover that. So sometimes... You, you you know, I, I give Scarlett Johansson a lot of credit, and I'm glad that you also see it the same way, where you're like, okay, I can understand that, like, maybe the film might not have done as well, mm-hmm. even under the most perfect circumstances. Right. But the fact of the matter is, she's a big star, and she has the power to do this. She has the money to do this as well. Like, so you're suing Disney. Um, She can take this risk. I don't think this is going to ruin her career either. You know, she's doing this at the end of her her run with Marvel. Yeah. Um, and Disney came back. So this is the second story. I grabbed the wrong story. So Scarlett Johansson is is pissed. Right. It says she's shocked. Um, so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to read part of Disney's uh, yeah. response here in their statement. And this is from popculture.com. This is linked from the Hype Beast yeah. article. In their statement, Disney alleges that Johansson's suit holds no legal weight. The, the lawsuit, they quote, is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Wow, that is thick. The statement yep. reads, Disney has fully complied with Miss Johansson's contract. And furthermore, the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus with Premier Access... Yeah. has significantly enhanced her ability to earn additional compensation on top of the 20 million she received to date. They don't Bullshit. say how, you know, it's helping her earn additional compensation. I, you know, this is very legalese and it's, it's definitely painting a target on her. And as you yeah. were saying that the article from Hype beast is uh, saying that she's shocked by the response. Yeah. Um, uh, I I just need to verify this for a second. Yes, okay. I wanted to verify that because I thought that was the case. Mm. Um, Scarlett Johansson's agent yes. is Brian Lord. Lord, yes. Lord, Lord. as in <laughs> the father of Billy Lord, oh. as in Carrie Fisher's ex-husband. Uh-huh. Just, just a little fun little thing there. Um, yeah, and uh, he made a statement regarding the matter, saying that this is shameless, shamelessly and falsely accusing Mr. Hansen of being insensitive to the global pandemic in an attempt to make her appear to be someone they and I know she isn't. So, I mean, I think Disney is being so shitty with that i mean yeah i don't Uh, know who this lawyer is but this really paints them in a bad with a bad brush because they didn't have to like throw in that oh she made 20 million dollars already what do you want and that's what that's what brian lord said he said the company included her salary in their press statement in an attempt to weaponize her success as an artist and businesswoman as if that were something she should be ashamed of they have deliberately moved the revenue stream and profits to Disney plus, the plus side of the company, leaving artistic and financial partners out of their new equation, which is a very important um, 
very important addition to the statement because he is saying it's not just Scarlett Johansson. It is not just Scarlett Johansson. It is creators of all of this content who are losing money of everything that has been was supposed to have a theatrical release and now has a Disney Plus release. Yeah. They're fucking over their contracts with it. Well, I, this this is uh, reminiscent of that article from The Onion. I'm sure you've seen the meme floating around several times. Um, the worst person in the world actually has a good point about something. <laughs> yeah and i'm not saying she's the worst person in the world but you know i'm not i'm not her biggest fan and it's just like no man she's fucking right about this this is a sucky situation i I guess i i I mean i do give her some leeway but i'm like you're just more stupid about a lot of shit than anything else yeah yeah she's yeah she's one of those but in this case, she no. is such an actress, and 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 I say that if any actresses are listening, I'm sorry, but you know what I'm talking about too. You are like you have even if you're not that way, you have dealt with other actresses who were that way, <laughs> or that actors, life. male as well, who is just like, oh my god, I'm an artist, and right. I'm and this, and you're just like. I can be, you know, I can be a tree. Like, that's the joke, right? But, like, <laughs> that's a real thing. Yep. When I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, of course, that's an actor mentality. Of like, course. you know, I, uh, yeah. So, but I, I just, I don't, uh, I, I'm, I'm on her side. I'm not on Disney's side with this. At I the really end of the day, the suit. at the end of the day, you expect to make a certain amount of money in a very specific way. You did your job. And now they're using your sound bites and your one more yeah. detail release teasers to to sell the movie in a way that you did not intend for it to be sold. I understand that. I totally get it. And she's right. And I'm glad that she's emboldened uh, other other stars that are going through this same situation to, uh, if not also sue or join her for a class action to speak up. You know. Um, yeah. I, I doubt we're going to get this this type of um, response from The Rock. I don't know if Emily Blunt is going to – is because she's actually dealing with this in two ways then, right? Because Jungle Cruise yeah, and A Quiet Place uh, yeah. are, are doing the streaming thing. So. Anyone releasing stuff probably with it from last year till at least next year is yeah. probably going to be dealing with this because future, future releases of things made – from this point going forward, basically, like, once new contracts are <laughs> are negotiated, mm-hmm. that will probably be included in future contracts. But people who have current contracts, who the thing is done, or it's almost close to being done, and they have no clue how it's going to be distributed, like, Disney can be like, fuck you, that's not in your contract, which is exactly what they said in that statement. Yeah. You know, They're this... like, we didn't breach any contract. We didn't do anything wrong. It's like, yeah, you know what you're doing. Like, you're going around this contract right now. You know, even if you're less sympathetic to these sort of situations because of the uh, the merchandise tie-ins and the, uh, you know, the action figures and that sort of thing, I wonder what what the situation is for, like, those art house films or, or those indie films that come out on HBO. Yep. You know, like um, the one that came out a couple weeks ago uh, with Benicio Del Toro and... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just... I haven't seen that, but yeah. It was really good, and I probably would have gone to theater to see it, because I love Don Cheadle and, and Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, but, this is yeah. what I'm saying. It all trickles down. Like, it all is a... It's all a problem right mm-hmm. 
And yeah. I would not be surprised if we start seeing more of these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I, I kind of want Emma Stone to do it as well. Yeah. You yeah. know, Emma Stone, especially Emma Stone is like an Oscar winning actress at this point. Right. Like, like she has that pedigree, that prestige. So it adds a little bit more to it, you know, like they can, they can add that to the statement too. Like she's an Oscar winning actress who, you know, like they can, they can amplify it even more. Um, you know, I'm sure that in the original statement, they had the same thing about like Scarlett Johansson, you know, being an Academy Award nominee and all, you know, right. like, the, the, you know, the more you add on to them, the more awards, the more prestige, the more respect they have within the community, the bigger a deal this becomes. Um, yeah. And it's not the same, you know, we're, t- there are some things that were made directly for Disney plus directly for HBO max, whatever. That's not the same because they have negotiated those contracts and they are going about it like it was made for that thing. They're being compensated the way they're being compensated. However, that I don't know how the contracts work for things like that. Maybe if they hit a certain number of streaming or whatever, I don't know. Like, I don't know how uh, um, Elizabeth Olsen was compensated for WandaVision, for example, but like that was never going to be released in theaters. So she never had a contract that was specific for something like that. You know, this is, this is a very different situation that any, uh, theatrical film was facing right now. Man. Yeah. And I, I also read recently that Kevin Feige is embarrassed over Disney's response as well. So he's at least standing in solidarity, uh, with her, as I mentioned earlier, he was very fired up about um, wanting to make sure it was only released in theaters. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if this was why or if it was an artistic vision sort of thing. But I think it might have been both. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I will add, I think that that could easily be Scarlett Johansson's interpretation of this as well. Like this is not only financially a problem. This is taking away from the artistic vision of the film. Yeah. And, you know, she is the powerhouse of this film the most like she is the name and face of this film so she is the one who like i said kind of falls on that sword man so i mean more power to her i hope this works in her and everybody else's favor to at least uh you know open up a discussion about how royalties from uh you know this sort of thing are handled not only going forward but you know retroactively for people that have missed out during the pandemic because money was made yeah. money was made. It doesn't, in fact, I mean, this type of release is easier for Disney and these other streaming platforms to do because this content is treated exactly the same way. You know, all Disney does yeah. in this scenario is put it behind a paywall, but Paramount, you know, it's just on their regular service. HBO is right. on their regular service. So, I mean, there's <laughs> and I'm and also I'm not I'm not against that being a thing. Yeah. Like I I think it's great. Like I, I we've talked about this before. There are some movies that I've watched that I you know I was never going to see that in theaters in the first place. There's plenty of those situations. Black Widow I think I would have. Yeah. But you know it's it's one of those things that I'm like okay but you have to make sure people are are compensated for it and that right. everything's fair and you know shit changes you have to adjust to it. And Black Widow, you know, it's a good movie. I I would have seen it in the theater as well. 
Because yeah. I, I see all the Marvel movies in theaters. I didn't yeah, think that's, the, that's what I mean. I think there's a lot of people like that. Yeah, the one I was least excited about uh, <laughs> was was the Doctor first. Strange. For, for okay, it was Doctor Strange for you. For me, it was the first Ant Man. Like I was like, eh, you know. Oh yeah. It'll be there. Oh no, I was sold. I love Paul Rudd. I've always loved Paul Rudd. That's yeah. like I was definitely sold on that. But like Doctor Strange, I was like, I don't. Who's this Eggs Benedict dude? And I don't care. <laughs> you know. See, me, I was a big fan of his anyway, and I, I wanted to hear how badly. I think badly, a lot of people were that way. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to hear how badly he butchered a, an American accent, and boy, did he butch. He. It sounded butched. weird, which it is did. usually not how things go. Right. It sounded like it was a voice that shouldn't have been coming out of his face. Yeah. You know, it wasn't bad. Again, I. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I agree. I his say, accent was weird. It's just weird. Yeah, like if it was coming out of another man's face, okay. okay. Yeah, that's a normal American voice. But out of his, it's like, no, dude, you look like Bangers and Mash. You, you can't sound like that. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I remember there were rumors that, like, Patrick Dempsey was going to play that role, and I was like, oh, shit, that'd be cool. Like, <laughs> anyway. Back in the doctor's role. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck it. Get George Clooney. Get George Clooney. Call him back. Get him in shit, there. Shit, that would have been great. I don't think he'd do a, a superhero movie unless he got to play, like, a villain, like a fun villain role in the, oh, in the Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. type of situation. But, yeah, he. I don't think he would be into playing a hero. No, I'd enjoy seeing him as a villain. I, 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 I must admit I haven't seen enough of his movies to say if I've seen him as a villain or if rather if he's played a villain effectively or not before. But I would like I to see him he's, as a villain. Like, oh, brother, where art thou? The, those characters are kind of on the they're, they're like gray. They're like morally gray characters. Yeah. So I think he can play that really well in a funny way and everything, you know. But yeah. I don't know if I've seen him in a villain role as well. Mm. Interesting. Well, I want to see Nicolas Cage in a Marvel movie. Holy that shit. That needs to happen. <laughs> and he's got to pay for his fucking dinosaur bones and shit. Like, you know, he needs the paycheck and we need to see it. You know what's great? Rightfully so. You have completely voided out of your mind that he starred in not just one, but two Ghost Rider films. Oh, I have not voided that out of my mind. I'm aware. If they want to tie that in, they can. But I'm I'm more on board for him being once again a villain. Yeah. Um if they want to make him a ghost rider but a villain, I'm there for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Who could this cage play? I don't know. <laughs> like I could have seen him being the vulture if they hadn't cast Michael Keaton. Hear me out, guys. What if? What if? What if they cross over with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Wow. And, wait, wait, <laughs> it gets better. Soup. And then <laughs> Nicolas Cage plays Krang. That's it. That's my pitch. Wow. That is uh, a hell of a casting Krang job Cage. there. Krang Cage. <laughs> All right. Since you bought it up. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossing over with things. Apparently there was a, uh, a, a comic miniseries, <laughs> I want to say a year ago. Where Ninja Turtles crossed over with um, the Power Rangers, which seems like an organic fit. They've done it before. Of course, uh, yeah. You know, on that on that uh, ill-fated live-action Ninja Turtles TV show where they crossed over with the Power Rangers, I believe, in space at the time. Um, but this comic featured the original four Turtles teaming up with the original five Power Rangers. Right. So... 
they released action figures based on the comic this week, and they, they rolled them out in batches, two at a time. So the first duo were, and, and these are all like, you know, Ninja Turtles as Power Rangers, that sort of thing. That's the theme of these action figures. So the first duo was um, Leonardo as the Blue Ranger. Makes sense. He's the one wearing the blue mask. And mm-hmm. Donatello as the Black Ranger. And okay, cool. You know, he has a purple mask. There's no immediate swap for that. So they put him in the black costume. Awesome. All right. So already you're trying to figure out who, who else is going to fill these <laughs> slots. They got four turtles and five Power Rangers, right? Okay. Okay. So the next batch, they answered the question already. Because I'm wondering, Michelangelo is orange. What color are they going to give him, right? So they gave him yellow. And that's fine. That still works. That's close to orange. Cool. No problem at all there. Isn't yellow the new female Ninja Turtle, though? Um, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which I personally am now deeply offended that they did not give her the yellow. Any, never mind. I'm well, I, no, I considered that. that, but this is based on the comic, and apparently these transpired, you know, in that same fashion in the comic before she was introduced into the book. So, yeah, no, that's fair. The Pink that's Ranger... Fine. The Pink Razor, I'm like, okay, they they have no female representation on this team. Who are they going to right. grab? They got April O'Neil. April, who okay. is, you know, she's shown that she can fight in the in the books and the cartoons sometimes. Cool, great fit. So okay, Red Ranger, obviously Raphael. He's red. It fits. But these are double packs, so they have to figure out the other person to put in there. Now, mm-hmm. of course, if you're a Power Rangers watcher, you know, from way, way back, you remember the Green Ranger, the most exciting entrant into the Power Rangers mythos because he came out of nowhere, right? So they got to put the Green Ranger to pair in there. No. <laughs> really? They gave him a foot soldier. I guess you had to have somebody to fight. You got to have a bad guy in there to fight. But the foot soldier is not just some random foot soldier. It's Tommy. Tommy, the Green Ranger, is dressed as a foot soldier. So I don't understand. What? Yeah, I don't get it. That feels questionable. They make some odd choices with action figures these days. The designs are fantastic. You know, the the molds are incredible. They, they got the spirit of what they were trying to accomplish. But the choices when it comes to releasing these action figures in the sets, it's almost like they, they want to force you to buy all of them. So you have the complete set so you feel... You know, like you've got everything. I don't know. Uh, I I don't. Yeah, I feel like Eric can add so much to this conversation. And yet I also don't care what he has to say. <laughs> That's very much our dynamic. And I and he and and honestly, he's the same with me, like okay. with the things that I say. So <laughs> we do share. I will say this. We have been sharing a mutual love of trying to hunt down these very adorable Pokemon action figures. Okay. We can't find them anywhere. They're so cute. They're at Target and stuff. But, yeah. I'm sure he has thoughts on that. I don't know. That's weird. I'm curious if he's collecting them. You should ask him. You should message him and ask him if he's collecting them. Because I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of got to at this point. You know? Like, these are <laughs> such high-quality figures. And Maybe. Questionable. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I'll like ask. he he can get yes, you can you should ask him. He can get picky about things. If one little thing's off, that yep. man is done. He's like, <laughs> No, I don't like that. I don't like that. See that? See the way that, that arm moves? I don't like it. And he's and he's done. And I'm like, But look, it's cute. And he's like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> like I don't care. 
You see that elbow? That doesn't bend right. That ain't right. Bye. Like, I'm with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm with just that. like, but I just. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy, um, the guy in charge of the uh, the Pokemon line that you mentioned, Jeremy Padawar, he's um, a really passionate toy designer. So I understand why Eric's into those because they try to yeah. capture the exact look and scale of everything there's, they put out. There's one set that I want. I think it's like a little. I'm trying to pull up the picture of it now. I think it's Pokemon or uh, Pikachu and Bulbasaur. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. I'm I'm searching it to see if I can pull up the the actual image of it. It's like a two pack. Um, I don't know what they're called, but I know like they're only like five bucks or whatever. But Eric hasn't found it either. No, it's not bad. Five bucks, yeah. No, they are. Yeah, they're they're cheaper than these other ones. That's I know that for sure. Hmm. They're so damn cute. And he showed them to me, and I was like, I want those. So he's looking for me as well. But yeah, it's just like hmm. in your I'm travels. Fine. Yeah. If you do see any AEW action figures. I don't know what those are. They're wrestling action figures. They just say AEW on the package. That's all. I'm not expecting you to know any of the people, the characters, okay. but if it says AEW, those are usually hard to find because everybody wants them. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's very important to tell Eric these things, too, because that <laughs> dude will find shit. If you're looking for specific things, tell that man because okay. he will find it. Um but yeah, there's like a really cute little like Pikachu Bulbasaur like pack, and oh. I, I can't find pictures of it. Oh, I sent you the picture. Oh, of what I was discussing. See, that's it. adorable, and it's yeah, and they're really cute. Size. And they're only a couple couple bucks. They're selling them for twice the amount on eBay and shit. And I'm ah. like, no. But there's like those, and they're they're tiny, and they're they're cute, and like if I can find it in person, cool. Like I'll get one. Yeah. Um, but mostly I'm just like, oh, okay, there's a toy that I want, too. And that makes going into literally, like, five targets with Eric, I guess, more fun. <laughs> Shannon is like, I'm staying in the car. <laughs> See, I feel like that's something, and, you know, I'm not trying to direct their program or anything, but I feel like that's something that should be video recorded <laughs> and put on their channel. Because there are so many other podcasts that that do like a toy hunt sort of thing there's a a, a wrestling podcast major yeah. wrestling figure podcast and they just do like half hour youtube releases of them hunting for certain toys and it gets so many views it's ridiculous he just doesn't have the time to do that too yeah like that's the big issue it's just like any you know you and i have the same thing where we're like oh we're trying to do side product stuff i mean i'm i'm working on like having my own tiktok now like and i'm so i'm like coming up with material for that possibly but like yeah I've only, you know i've only put out so many so it's it's just one of those things yeah like it, it takes a lot of time to make that stuff and so. you caught me at the right time today when i i was able to make that logo for what you were thinking of. right 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 right. <laughs> yeah you made a you made a tiktok logo for uh, for our show right right i was like oh. okay i gotta do this right now it's not gonna get done today <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, now I'm going to ask you to Photoshop Nicolas Cage and his face as Krang. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, That's... find a find a bored moment tomorrow. But yeah, I <laughs> so I don't know how we got on the subject, but either way, 
that that was uh, uh I don't know how we got on the, the Ninja Turtles. I brought it up, I'm sure. <laughs> we started talking about um, Nicolas Cage's <laughs> Krang, and that kind of set me off on the toy thing. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. But I hear what you're saying. Um, let's talk about, we, we tried to do a little thought exercise this week. Did you do your homework with the three shows? No, and I did not know what this meant. Right. You, you okay. just, three shows with a perfect cast? With a near-perfect cast. So three shows cast. that you can think of. Where the casting from top to bottom was perfect. That's that's what I was trying well, to. Well, uh, that's. Uh, I was gonna say that you're saying near perfect. How can wouldn't that just be perfect? Yeah, I was trying to give okay. a little wiggle room for you know. Okay. The haters, the doubters. <laughs> uh, Scrubs, off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. I think that even like a a minor side character like Doug. The guy who like ends up running the morgue and stuff is perfectly cast. And I wonder show. how much of that was done on purpose and how much kind of just like, you know, it was it was the writers playing towards the actor's strengths. Because I feel like Doug, well, in the first few seasons, the character was just kind of like, you know, the, the comedic foil. But then they found a purpose for him <laughs> and yeah, it worked so I, well. I think it's a little bit of both. Mm. And on good shows, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, what's one that you thought of? I mean, you know, my mind always goes back to Frasier because, you know, I think about just how perfect that cast was. Of course, the casting of, um, you know, Kelsey Grammer from, from, uh, Cheers alone was perfect, you know, and then bringing along Lilith for a little, for a little, uh, guest appearance every now and then like everybody on that show worked so well. Where it's like automatically, if you see one of the one of the actors who played, uh, you know, one of the, the the side characters on the show, you immediately associate them back to Fraser. There's no question about it. Yeah. So they just became um, iconic on that show. This is us. For the people who have seen This Is Us, they know like that that show. The younger versions of the actors, the main actors. So like all of the main actors are perfect. And then they cast younger versions of the actors for flashbacks or older mm. versions of the actors for flash forwards because okay. that becomes a thing as well. And you're just like, there was at one point in that show where I thought it was an actor wearing makeup playing an older version of himself. Mm. It was not. It was two different actors. And when I found that out, it freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> like, they're that good with casting someone and then, you know, doing small touch-ups to, to make them, like, look like that actor. But it's incredible. Like, it's some of the best casting I've ever seen on television. That's that's a good that's a good pull right there. Um, for my second one, I would have to go mm-hmm. with... Uh, shoot, I just had it. Darn <laughs> it. It was in my brain, and it's gone. Community. Community doesn't work. Oh, yeah, work. that's a good ensemble. You know, even even Chevy Chase, <laughs> even Chevy Chase for, for what it was in those early seasons, like, Community doesn't work without, you know, his curmudgeon attitude, you know. Yeah, you need that whole – that show loses every time, like, someone leaves. It's just – it's never the same. Right, right. It's still good, just not as good. Yeah, some of it's good. 
Some of it's not. And I'm talking about even the Dan Harmon stuff. Yeah. After all of that. Some yeah. of it is not good. I realize everyone loves him, but, you know. Well, it was like a race against time uh, with the premise of the show, too. Just the fact that yeah. all these people would still be in community college, you know, which is a usually a two-year endeavor, sometimes a four-year endeavor, uh, you know, for six years and still trying to find a way for them to work. Sometimes I think Community would have been better off had they been canceled after two seasons. I think you are probably right. Because then it would have always been that show, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which my final pick would be Freaks and Geeks, which okay. is that show. That cast, holy shit, all of the things that they've done since, both in front of the camera and behind the camera, like... One of the writers of In Into the Spider Verse, or no, not Into the Spider Verse, um, the new Spider Man films mm -hmm. was the lead actor on that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like that, John Francis Daly or whatever, like, you know, they've gone on to do so many things. It's incredible. That is true. That is true. Um, for my last pick, it's kind of a, yeah, I'm going to go with Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is a great cast. Oh, my gosh. I I didn't want to like it at first. I didn't think it would work when I started watching it. I'm like this. This mm -hmm. can't be good. Um, but, you know, this is another situation where they, they kind of just let the cast determine where their characters were going. It looked yeah. like um, I like the show. I like the show a lot more as, as they let them be friends, you know? Mm -hmm. There was a yeah. lot of antagonism between them, between the characters in the first season because they wanted to add that aspect of it. But, like, when they started softening the characters, especially, yeah. uh, you know, Captain Holt. Holt, yeah. yeah. Uh, but especially uh, uh, Boyle. <laughs> oh yeah 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 he was intense in the beginning they did a complete and 180 and he's intense in a fun sweet way yeah like they kept his core character but you know yeah but that that weird like obsessive nature that pervy nature that he had at first they got rid of that completely yeah that was gross and i'm i'm so glad they did because then it let you know this actor actually have fun with the character and not be like you know weird towards everybody else on the cast but yeah, yeah. Andy Samberg, I, you know, if you told me after SNL, like, yeah, he's going to be on like a long running NBC sitcom and it's going to be good. I would not have believed uh, you. <laughs> you know, I just thought of a last minute one. OK. That is like a perfect ensemble, because this is a great question, because there are some shows that I can point to and I can go like, I cannot get past the casting of Lauren Graham as Laura like Gilmore. Like, that's one of the best castings ever to me. Mm. But like. You know, it's just like every show, like your or, or or Kelly Bishop as Emily Gilmore, like like yes, but like is everything perfect? And one show that does come to mind is that '70s show. Like oh, that yeah. cast is on point. Right. Every, which is which, by the way, was a pun. Um, like every single person in that cast played their role perfectly and from the get-go like if you watch that show it's just there it's just it almost immediately per the only thing that really changed with that show was they cut the like Hyde was in love with Donna and like that kind of love triangle that they were trying to throw in from the beginning that's the only thing they cut out yeah 
they moved Hyatt around a lot, which is kind of weird <laughs> with his with his love interest. They, you know? they didn't quite know what to do with him at first. Um, and then oh, don't get me started. Hyde and Jackie should have ended up together. And by the way, I just want to throw this out there. They were going to end up together. What happened was that in the last that terrible last fucking season of that oh, show, they yeah. hired all new writers and those writers decided they didn't like Hyde and Jackie together. So they just split them up. See, I almost want to disqualify. It still makes me so fucking mad. I almost want to. I almost want to. Um, you know, rebuttal your choice for that '70s show because of New Eric. That's the only. That's the only qualm I have. It doesn't count. So <laughs> it's like the last. I I mentioned Scrubs too. You did. The last season of Scrubs doesn't count. That cast wasn't bad though. It was the writing. It was all the writing on that on that last season that was just. <sighs> Okay, yeah, new Eric was not not great. I will admit that, mm. but I still I stand by everything else. But okay. I do not stand by the writing. And God, it just it makes me that still makes me so mad that 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 it ended and like the whole tee up was supposed to be Hyde and Jackie end up together. Right. Like that's where it was going. They had this temporary like split that was supposed to like make Jackie's character grow and everything like that. And like, it was supposed to be for a larger thing. And then they were like, no, nah, we don't like it. We're just going to permanently like, no, it's like Eric and Donna <laughs> not ending, ending up together. Like this is, this was perfect. Fuck you. Like, ah, oh, God damn it. Anyway, I did miss Midge after she left the show. Yeah. See, that's the thing too. We can't discount the parents. Yeah. Some of the best casting ever of Kitty and Red. Oh, holy absolutely. shit. Deborah Joe. They're Rupp. so good. And most of these most of these actors weren't in anything before this or anything of no. note, really. You know. Or they were just character actors. They were they were they were always working, doing some stuff, but like they weren't you know, really well known and yeah. I think the biggest name on the show coming in probably was Tommy Chong. He wasn't on it though. I don't think until like season two. No, but I mean like just um, the, you know starting from like you know before he was on the show to getting the show, he yeah. was probably the biggest name coming in. But everybody else, of course, you know. They well, the, the Midge Midge was uh, one of the Charlie's Angels. Oh, that's right. Tommy so Roberts. she probably was the biggest name that they could sell from that show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they obviously they got tons of like. You know, in that first season, they had, like, tons of actors from, like, oh, it's the guy from the Partridge family. It's this and that. Like, just showing mm -hmm. up on the show. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Tommy. Tommy one, of the, was just... one of the only. Yeah. One of the only good episodes of the last season was when um, Kitty and Red, they get new. I think it's new neighbors or new, new people that, like we're going to the church or something like that. And it's the two, it's two of the guys who were brothers is Greg and, uh, whatever from the Brady bunch. It's two of the brother, the actors from the original Brady bunch. And they're a gay couple, <laughs> oh, but wow. like that Kitty and air or Kitty and red don't get that. And they think they're just like roommates or friends or whatever. And they're playing off. It, it was so funny. Like it was, it was one of the few good episodes of that last season. <laughs> Yeah, good cast all around. I I wanted to I wanted to mention Star Trek: The Next Generation, but I don't know. Oh yeah, that feels like an anomaly. It's it's just yeah, 
that's that's the show. It's that cast. Casting is it makes or breaks a show. And usually you can find one person that's like, eh, someone else could have played that. But there are the exceptions. There are. Yeah. I wonder how the kids from Stranger Things are going to act when they come back. I mean, they're basically taxpayers at this point. Oh, that's too controversial of a statement. I'm going to pass. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. <laughs> Now I gotta know what why is it controversial? <laughs> no, uh, what I was wanting to say. Oh, I'm sorry. oh, I'm oh, sorry. yeah. I was going to say something, and then I'm like, mm, no, that's not a good thing. Okay, Continue. yep, we're moving on. So Dolly Parton, you know, we have yeah. a segment on this show, which we're we're gonna call because news keeps coming up about one Dolly Parton. We're gonna call. She's this... America's fucking sweetheart and a national treasure, and if you try to hurt her in any way. I will fucking end you. Like, protect Dolly at all costs. I like Dolly. Um, protect her. The name of the segment is Won't Dolly Do It? W-D-D-I. W-D-D-I. Won't Dolly Do It? Yeah. Would it? <laughs> Would it? <laughs> <laughs> so we got two Dolly Parton stories this week for you. Uh, first of all, this one broke on July 31st. This is from... A very loud website called. Uh... <laughs> I was wondering what that was. I thought it was off my. Like I just pulled up my headphones because I thought it was something. Anyway. No, this this story comes from uh, CBS in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, for a long time, Dolly Parton has been uh, donating books. Uh, you know, to to promote uh, child literacy. Well, yes. this says that Pittsburgh's Dolly Parton Imagination Library sends its seventy five thousandth free book to Pittsburgh children. So what an accomplishment, you know, yeah. basically it's a, it's a program that provides free books to children living in a city from ages zero to five. Once a month, a child will receive a book in the mail until their fifth birthday, giving them the opportunity to have a library of up to 60 books. It's open to any child um, under the age of five and parents can register their child on the website. And yeah, I mean, how awesome. I think they've expanded it too. I think like other children in other cities and stuff can do it as well. That's incredible. You know, yeah. but specifically the Pittsburgh branch. Yes. 75,000th yeah. book. So people yeah. are taking advantage, thankfully, and I hope, um, you know, people are appreciating the work. That's that's also a really sweet gift. Yeah. Like, to give to someone. To be like, so I signed you up for this because I think this would be a really awesome thing for your kid or whatever. Like, what an amazing thing to give them where they can just keep having this joy um i read dolly parton's i i, I listened to the audiobook for it but like i want to get the physical book as well um her biography which is uh um storyteller or something I, I, it's something like that but it's dolly parton's biography autobiography mm-hmm. um and she was talking about how her father mm-hmm. actually he never learned how to read or write oh wow he he came from like the mountains mm-hmm. and it just wasn't a thing for both his generation and based off of where he was living um, and having a lot of siblings and stuff. And she said that he had a lot of shame about that in his life and yeah. she found out later. And, you know, um, that's why she started this was because she didn't want children to feel the shame and to not have access to books and be able to read and write. 
That's amazing. So like she did that in in honor of her dad. And and she was like, he was a good man and like he should not have felt any shame over this. And I was proud of him and proud of the work and proud of the like the work that he did to provide for us and proud of the person that he was. Yeah. So like she's kind of honoring him in that way with this program. Man. Just I highly recommend her book. It's great. She's an amazing woman. Um Yeah. The other story I have is 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 just as uh, heartfelt here. You know, um, in 1992, uh, the movie The Bodyguard was released, and I don't know um, if this was the case for a lot of people, but uh, I didn't know that "I Will Always Love You" was a Dolly Parton song um, when The Bodyguard came out. You know, I thought it was a Whitney. Houston I was born original. that year, so yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of <laughs> Matt's an old man. <laughs> so when it when it came out, it was all over the radio, the Whitney Houston yeah. version. And you know, of course, uh Extra was on at the time and they were like, Hey, you know, Whitney Houston's number one hit, it's it's on the charts again for the whatever week in a row and the movie's not out yet or it's been out for this long. But did right. you know that this is a song? from Dolly Parton and at the time Dolly wasn't as uh as much of a cultural icon or you know according to most news outlets anyway uh as she is now you know she's kind of had a renaissance in her in her career and a lot of stuff that a lot of seeds that she planted um you know are, are becoming more uh obvious to people you know the good deeds that one she could did. say she she came again here you come again yeah Dolly yep yeah. <laughs> Just when, just when we had ourselves together. You, you just, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting me back to that point at the top, aren't you? Anyway, uh, so when, when, when uh, I will always love you uh, was released, the the Whitney Houston version, everyone's like, this is the best song in the world. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, extra, like I said, they were like, oh, well, it was a Dolly Parton song first, and people were like, ah, yeah, well, Dolly's old news, we don't care, but. What's great about it is Dolly was still getting royalties from this song every time we listened to it, every time we yep. played it, every time it was on the radio, every time they sold a copy of The Bodyguard and that song was on there. Dolly got some cash. Yeah. So it came out this week from uh, from NPR that Dolly invested royalties from Whitney's I Will Always Love You in a black community. And she hasn't talked about it until now because she was asked about it. Uh, she wasn't a, asked about it. She was asked. That's what was so fascinating. She was just asked like, oh, what's the best thing you've spent royalty money on? Yeah. Expecting her to say like, I got like a cool car or some some little thing like that. Mm-hmm. And she this is what she revealed. Like no one knew about this. So the article says country music icon Dolly Parton has revealed that she used some of the royalties she earned from Whitney Houston's cover of her song. I will always love you to invest in an office complex in a black neighborhood in Nashville, Tennessee. During an appearance on the show, Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen, Parton said she thought it was an apt way to honor the black singer who boosted the song's popularity with her cover. It was mostly just black families and people that lived around there, Parton said. It was a whole strip mall, and I thought, this is the perfect place for me to be, considering it was Whitney. She went on, I just thought, this was great. I'm going to be down here with her people, who were my people as well. And so I just love the fact that I spent that money on a complex, and I think this is the house that Whitney built. Oh, God. Oh. 
<laughs> and and she talked about like in that article about how like she was so blown away by Whitney's cover of that song and how she couldn't believe it. Like the first time she heard it on the radio, she literally had to pull over. Yeah. Like she had to pull the car over because she could not believe it. Yeah. Man. That is I mean, she's so I humble. Mean, she even she she even said later in an interview, uh, she was asked if she would have done a duet uh, with Whitney on that song, and she said she would have loved that, but I don't think I could have come up to snuff with her. She'd have outsung me on that one for sure. I mean, she's so humble. My she God, is. she's a great person. She li- like she lives her life. She does good things. You don't hear about it until you hear about it right like and then and and when she and then when she does she's like yeah oh yeah i did that yeah like she's just a yeah she's a good soul Mm -hmm. there's something about her that's just wholesome and wonderful yeah um yeah like i i i cannot recommend her book enough like i said i loved it so much much like the you know mr rogers and you know the matthew mcconaughey book I don't know if I told you, but like I loved the Matthew McConaughey book so much that I bought a physical copy. Oh. I saw it in a used bookstore. I because okay. I, I got the library was the audiobook. Yeah. And I loved it so much. Like I was so into his life philosophy and just the way that he writes and everything that I saw that it used for like half price and I'm like, I'm buying this right now. Like this is happening. I need to have this on my bookshelf to reference or whatever. And I'm do- gonna do the same thing with Dolly's book because it's just so so good to like hear her you know talking about her experiences and her life and her philosophy and she's just yeah she's a great person mm-hmm. like i mean just she never had children as like it just was like her life and her circumstance and her choice and it almost makes me sad because i'm like i want more dollies in the world like i i, I almost wish she had like you know some great kids out there and then grandkids and stuff to keep it going. But like, you know, she was, I'm sure she was a huge influence on nieces and nephews and just any random kid that, you know, friends, kids, all <laughs> I was that gonna stuff. Say, that that's, countered. that's the beauty. That's the beauty of this. I mean, she's influenced so many that she's not even related to by her book program. And yeah. just by, you know, hearing about how selfless she is with, with what she does in these situations, like with these royalties, like, you know, you can really use her example to say, like, this is the type of person that you can strive to be. This is one of those yeah. celebrities that you can look up to and say, hey, you know, this is what I want to do for my community. This is what I want to do for the next generation of people. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she would admit her flaws. Like, that's that's another great thing. Like, there's a vulnerability and a... You know, how she's like, oh, yeah, I just did that because, like, it just seemed like the right thing. And then she's like, I I don't think I could hold up to her. Like, that's a very vulnerable moment. Mm -hmm. And we have so many, like, iconic figures that are putting out this, like, I'm, like, fierce, I'm amazing, and I love that. Like, I love that. But I also love a good, vulnerable person. A good, like, down-to-earth person. Yeah. Um, I know we give, there's room for both in our world. We give Dolly a lot of praise on this show, you know, and I think it's it's rightly deserved. Uh, if you have somebody in your community that you think deserves special recognition, feel free to write us. We will gladly gas them up 
and uh, you Ooh, know, yes. sing their praises. I fucking love this. And, and broadcast yeah. and let, let people know how they can join in and support as well. Because that's what yes. we're about. We want to we want to make sure that, you yeah, know, especially if it's like some sort of charity or something, we right. are always happy. But we want to make sure those people are celebrated. The people who have boots on the ground and are really trying to work hard and, you know, uplift, you know, instead of tear down. That's what we're all about. Yeah. I'd like to give a little shout out, actually, um, oh. to Ryan Guy, hey, Ryan who um, due to a weird twist of fate. Um, was throwing a baseball with his son, and he actually threw the baseball, and it hit that snake, that demon snake. No. Yeah. That yeah. same snake? <laughs> that same snake, that same little demon shit. And uh, actually, Ryan was uh, pretty upset because he had to kill it. Like, oh, no. <laughs> it, like, paralyzed it. But shout out to Ryan Guy for killing my demon and, like, uh, saving me from ever having to see it again. That, that was that was all a joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm such a dick. <laughs> Shout out to Ryan Guy for. <laughs> I'm so mean to you today. I don't know why. Celebrating was, celebrating St. Patrick's Day early by driving a snake away from Lex. <laughs> wow. Hey, guess what? I'm an Irish girl. I don't I don't want to deal with them fucking snakes. There you go. He's you know he's respecting your culture. By driving yeah. the snake away from you. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I think I'm like a quarter Irish. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a quarter, something like that. If it'll make this this hackneyed joke work, let's go. <laughs> let's, that's it right there. Hey, listen, for like a white person in America to even have like a quarter of anything, mm. we're all just like random shades of white. Just... <laughs> various pastels like the most bland crown crayon i always say crown the most bland (laughs) bland crayon like you can find Mm. you know so the fact that i can go hey i do know that i'm this much italian and whatever without doing the little ancestry thing yeah yeah i kind of want to do that that's funny i want to be a sponsor and like give it to me for free though hell yeah hell yeah you know (laughs) sponsor us ancestry dna i want to know not only my entire genetic makeup but like i also want to know if there were some serial killers in my family because i suspect there are holy shit they got dark (laughs) you know i I love my family now but i think some of you motherfuckers might be murderers (laughs) oh i do not trust any of these motherfuckers I love you oh. all from the bottom of my heart, but seriously. I mean, I think it's the dead ones, if that helps. That doesn't, but okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I know of at least one that's a murderer. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Have I never told this story on the, on the show? We don't have time for this today. We're going to save that. We're going to bookmark that for the next time. <laughs> okay. Well, you have to remind me. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's forget. I'm opening up a new notes right now bro i have so much casual terribleness in my family all right that like i could probably do a weekly wall of weird segment that's just family shit <laughs> i have terribleness too but those motherfuckers are still alive and i don't want them to catch oh me yeah i wouldn't you know? talk about anyone alive <laughs> this person is not alive he's dead he's okay. been dead for a long time okay i never knew him 
So that's yeah. that's uh, that's the cheese, ladies and gentlemen, to come back next week for the for the show. But before we go, yeah, we do have a wall of weird. We do have a wall of weird. We uh, we're not telling my my weird shit because of that. New York Post article by Mark Lung Lungiero. I don't know how you pronounce the name, Mark Lungarilio. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coffin pops open after New York City cemetery workers try to force casket into too small of a grave. What? Hor- horrified mourners watched as workers at a Brooklyn cemetery tried to force a coffin into a grave that was dug too small. And <laughs> if this doesn't sound like a bit from a movie, like it actually, it honestly sounds like a Mel Brooks bit. I got, a, I got a question for you before we delve deeper into this. Yes. You hear about stuff like this every now and then. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the second season of uh, I think you should leave yet, but um, they they kind of address this as well. I am I am curious how come, you know, with all these expensive coffins and whatnot, mm-hmm. why don't they hermetically seal these motherfuckers? Why don't they like put a latch on there or something to keep it closed? If coffins are popping open at odd moments. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they so easily poppable? Like, what is, is there a spring action in modern coffins that I don't know about that's just like, pop goes the weasel? Like, what, why, put, put a lock on them motherfuckers, you know? You know, like why, back in the I, day, I mean, they used to put bells inside of coffins, yeah. you know, in case somebody woke up. and the the person walking around the graveyard at night would hear the ringing bell and go oh shit i'm always so alarmed that it happened so many times yeah first of all it happened so many times that they needed to put bells in there and second of all how did they ever know how did they ever know that it happened in the first place how did they didn't they just die i mean you know i've i've expressed concern about this previously because you know modern modern burials involve embalming you know when i say modern i mean like the last hundred years of of people being put under the ground it involves removing organs embalming stitching things together after Mm -hmm. autopsies are done so any tv show where someone claws out of the ground you know a la buffy the vampire slayer or something like that yeah that's going to be weird because they're lacking some insides at that point. So that's the weird part to you. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of been like no- they don't have a stomach. Yeah. Cause it's been normalized that people rise from the dead now. I mean, that's, that's kind of just a, a TV trope, but the right. fact that they're, they're back from the dead and everything's groovy, like, the, you know, brains intact stomachs there, you know, they don't have a weird stitch from stem to stern. Well, they definitely, yeah, they definitely don't do anything to your brain. <laughs> well, that depends on how the, you died. Well, I that's mean. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the only time they would do something like that is if it was, you know, if you got a little hacked up, then they might have to fix some things. Exactly. Plaster some things together. Uh, I don't know. I want to be, I think, I think I might have decided I want to be cremated, and then I want to force everyone who claims they love me to in one last trial 
prove that they love me mm. by making them get a tattoo with my ashes in it. Oh, shit. You know, oh, man, this is great. You're welcome. This is great. Dee and I talked about this this week, actually. We were talking about the fact that sometimes people get cremated and some crazy shit happens with their with their cremains because they want yeah. certain things done as their last, you know, will and testament. So like I'm um, telling you, if you do not get a tattoo of me <laughs> of my ashes, um, I haven't decided on the tattoo yet. I will. I will. Mm-hmm. I will put that in there. Um, but if you don't get it in some capacity, you don't actually love me. That's <laughs> that's just the fact. That's a fact. <laughs> Like, okay, you heard about James Doohan, right? The guy that played Scotty from Star Trek? What? No. Okay. This is this is on this is on topic. So he was cremated and okay. as his last one in testament. Oh, they sent it in the space? Exactly. But it was yes. a while. Like there weren't any space missions going up for quite some time. So they had to like wait. And then yeah. like at the last minute they didn't get clearance to get his ashes on, on mm. like a space flight going to like the international space station or something. So they had to sneak his ashes on to the space flight. Okay. Why can't they just like shoot it up there? <laughs> would, it, would it be enough? Well, this was back in the nineties. I don't know if they were just like, no, casually oh my God. shooting. Well, was he on the challenger? Oh God. <laughs> Which I I didn't have time to investigate that story. It would be like inappropriate to go into detail about yeah. that here. No, but that's interesting. We need to we need to circle back to that. <laughs> so we, two things we got to talk about next. Week. <laughs> yes, I'll remember when um, I edit. The co- the coffin carrying the remains. <laughs> yes, back to this original yeah, story of the seventy nine year old Clarabelle Oppenheimer. Not Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. No. <laughs> Got stuck in the grave and popped open. So it, it got stuck and then it popped open as, as workers struggled to shake it free shake during, the, it. <laughs> during the somber burial turned tragic farce. And they're suing about this and it's at the Evergreens Cemetery. Mm. But like, honestly, I would want a funeral this dramatic and hilarious. Oh I really God. would. I like... really would. I think this is a blessing. Like, they, yeah, I mean, they should still sue. But when the family looked inside the damaged coffin, Oppenheimer's hands were no longer folded as they had been as they had been in the funeral home because of rough handling. Uh, I believe the cemetery is in the business of burying people, and I think it's the most basic thing they could do every day. <laughs> the most basic thing they could do every day is to dig holes. How something like this happens is beyond me. Now, see, unlike the Disney statement, this is a, a wonderful <laughs> statement by the attorney. Yeah. This it is, is your job to dig a hole. At <laughs> the very <laughs> least, dig a, dig a hole the right size. You, you cannot dig a hole properly, and now we are suing you because you could not do this. I mean, um, the lawsuit claims that there were 35 mourners at the cemetery who said their final prayers to Oppenheimer, 
Oh man, <laughs> and placed roses on the coffins, and then they watched try. They watched the workers try to lower the box into the final resting place. The sound of the coffins scraping the sides. No. <laughs> of the of the hole filled the air. Oh. According to the workers pushed and lifted and lowered the coffin over and over as they tried to get it into the ground. Like they were trying to parallel park. Oh, my God. When the coffin got stuck, the workers tried pulling it, growing more aggressive and arguing amongst themselves <laughs> as it dragged on. They kept pulling and tugging, even after the top opened and the mourners feared her body would fall out. Oh. There are pictures. No. Oh God. There Scroll are pictures. Down, Matthew. Oh no. Look so, at the picture. Someone. Some members of the family watched crying, according to the lawsuit. Oh man. Workers moved the coffin to the grass for an hour while a backhoe was brought on to lengthen the grave. The lawsuit stated, family members claim the workers yelled to move out of the way. Hey. Yeah, clear the area, all right? We're trying to lower this Don't box Don't yell at people morning. Hey, That's basic. Yeah, look, I'm trying to do my job. You go ahead and back up a few feet, and we're just going to try to get this broad. And they said it's just one more piece of an already, hor- like, for an already horrific situation that they were treated that way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. After some arguing over the condition of the coffin, the body was transferred to a new coffin at a nearby funeral home, and finally lowered to its final resting place, head first rather than horizontally. What? No. No. Head first rather than horizontally. No. No. With the heat outside... Oh, God. With heat outside, one person was treated for chest pain during the ordeal, (laughs) which lasted... (laughs) Matthew, this lasted for four hours. No! That family had to stand there for four hours. No, I'm so sorry, guys. This oh no! Hours. I mean, you. I'm oh. so glad they're suing. I'm so glad that they're suing. They're, oh my god! Not even feet. They put her head first in the ground. <laughs> this woman, Clarabelle, is doing a headstand. <laughs> in this cemetery right now no oh i feel so bad for her like this is terrible one of the workers allegedly told the family this section of the cemetery has had this problem before with the coffins wait a minute this This has happened before the workers said it was the cemetery not (laughs) the person that dug the hole who didn't measure the coffin the right way. Mm. Wow. This is a common problem in this section of the cemetery. <laughs> that was the man who was responsible right there. He's the one that messed up. He's like throwing up his head. I don't know what to tell you. This part of cemetery, you know. This part of the cemetery is questionable, this honestly. Is, <laughs> this is not my. Hey, it's not on me. Look, this part of cemetery, I don't know what it is. You can't put somebody in the ground over here. It just don't work. Something's that, wrong with this. There's like too much sand in the ground. <laughs> Things shift. I don't know. You know. I don't know. You know what they say. Measure twice. Dig once. <laughs> All right. Measure twice. Dig once. 
I the sound of the coffin oh, scraping no. the sides. I that part of it is so bad, and the fact it's four hours. Four hours. And they had to get a new coffin, and they still couldn't get it. Like, and like. <laughs> and and by the way, legally yeah. now, like they had to get rid of that. They had to throw out that other coffin. You Absolutely. cannot reuse the coffin. Like right. it is illegal. You cannot get a used coffin. <laughs> I I'm disappointed that it took them four hours to do this, and and the director of the funeral <laughs> didn't try to console the family and say, hey. Let's go back inside. I've got refreshments. If, you know, what if no. What was having a heart condition, like, yeah. situation? People were I in mean, tears. I mean, oh, man. This is, I mean, I'm glad they're suing. They yeah. should sue. Yeah. I, we are both going to hell, and every single listener is going to hell for laughing at this. But this is, honestly, this is one of my favorite wall <laughs> stories we've done in a long time. <laughs> I'm so sorry to say it. I mean, like, I I feel bad, but they got Clarabelle doing a headstand right now. <laughs> right now, deserves justice. <laughs> she deserves better than this. She can't even rest in peace. She's doing b-boy style underground right now. I'd like to think that Clarabelle was a funny woman in real life and like had a good sense of humor and would have laughed at this. I think it's the only way that we can like get past the horrific part of it yeah, is to laugh at it. Right, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too. You know, there are people that mourn in different ways. And <laughs> if if her family had a dark sense of humor, they may have been laughing at a time like this. But obviously they were not. And oh, I feel bad because it's just so fucking wild what happened for four hours. We oh, should feel bad. This poor woman. We should feel terrible terrible we're bad people <laughs> i think that's the conclusion that we can come to at the end of the day you know i don't think dolly would be proud of us no after, <laughs> like, right after that wonderful segment about dolly and all the good she does we're like and let's we tell ended you it with like so this lady was doing a headstand in the grave <laughs> uh, all right well, Terrible. before we dig the hole any deeper for ourselves, hey, uh, R.I.P. Clarabelle. Yeah. Um, thank you all for listening this week. Uh, if if you do decide to come back <laughs> once again <laughs> after we've been so horrible, uh, you can follow us on all the social medias at Lex and Matt, except for TikTok, where we're at Lex and Matt Pod. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything to promote this week. I'm not on any other pods or anything. Uh, you can follow my TikTok, which is alexis.something.rose. I probably should have just gone with, like, Lex Lutz or something, but I had to get all fucking stupid about it and make it a funny Shit's Creek joke. That's all so. right. People don't... People don't type shit in anyway. They click on links. So you'll see links. True. To follow there links. are links to it in my, uh, the Lex Lutz on Instagram. Like, I I have the link on there. I don't there know if go. we've added it to our link tree, but it's online. Yes, yes. Yeah. Right. Um, also, patreon.com slash Lex and Matt to yes. support what we do here. And also, get some cool stuff uh, while you're at it. Merch. 
Yeah. Do you have anything to promote? I do. I um was on rather I read for the Uncanny Magazine podcast mm. again yeah. this week. So 41B is out uh just <clears throat> yesterday and uh yeah, it's a lovely story. I think you all will enjoy it very much. It was a fun read and uh yeah, I, I had a Yeah, good you were time. telling me you were the other I think it was last week, maybe it was the week before. I don't remember. But you were like, "Oh, I'm going to record like a voiceover and I was like, dang. Yeah, fun fact all about that. Talking? All right, fun fact about that. The reason why <laughs> I was like, yeah, I could fit this in right now um, was because I read the wrong thing. I read a poem by mistake oh. that was supposed to be read by uh, my, my podcast colleague, Erica Ensign. And mm. uh, she did a wonderful job reading this poem. Uh, no one will ever hear the version I read because it wasn't my job to do so. Uh, so after... I did that. Of course, I read the email again, giving me my assignment because I always do that. And thankfully, mm-hmm. I did because I realized <laughs> that I still had a lot of work to do. So, yeah, it got well, done. Well, if they ever need like a snarky little bitch to do a story on Uncanny, I'm available. Okay. I am not a professional. I will not be professional. I refuse <laughs> to be professional. But I definitely have the bitchiness down. So. Yeah. Well, listen, they do a great job editing uh, because they make me sound half decent. So. Oh, I also will not accept any editing. Oh, at all. okay. Full creative control. <laughs> you get final cut every no, I time. Get final cut. I get final cut. It's in my contract. I will sue. <laughs> Release the loot's cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, those jackasses. Before we go, those jackasses yeah. are at it again. Oh, the, is it the David Ayer thing? No, even worse. They're review bombing um, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Why? Because they claim, uh, some of them anyway, claim that uh, because this isn't in the Snyderverse, mm-hmm. like the original Suicide Squad was, that it is uh, destroying Zack Snyder's uh, work and his legacy. So it needs to be punished. So they've been trying to rate it lower than the first Suicide Squad movie. Hey, Snyder, the monsters you've created, they're fucking shit up and killing things. Coming home hey. to roost. Yeah. yeah. My, my let's, favorite let's part of this... Let's get some pitchforks. Let's fuck them up. Come on. <laughs> my favorite part of this was James Gunn's response. He's like, I don't care. It's not going to matter in the long run anyway. Like, <laughs> Love it. He Love broke it, it down. That's such a great response. Who cares? Who yeah. cares? Like, I don't care. The movie's done. It's not going to matter in the long run. So, whatever. That is the correct philosophy to have <laughs> when you release something into the universe. You just let it go. Yeah. It's not even yours anymore, really. Like, you just got to be done with it. You know, and all the actors he's worked with, they claim they've had <clears throat> the time of their lives working with him. And it it doesn't seem like the usual, like, you know, PR blather. It seems like they genuinely had I, a good time. I tend to trust – this is not a blanket rule – there are some exceptions to this, but I do tend to trust when creators repeatedly work together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when he keeps casting, you know, a Dave Batista, whoever, whoever he continues to work with, and they both want to keep working with each other, I I find that's typically like there's something good going on there. Like they're 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 treating people well. And Dave know? Batista, like you said, even though his career was famously pulling punches. He doesn't pull punches when it comes to, you know, being open about 
who oh, he no. enjoys working with. Yeah. So he, he, you would hear he didn't like it. Yeah, exactly. He actually just said that Marvel never asked him to do the oh, what if animation God. voiceover, yeah. which James Gunn responded to that like what. And I don't know what that meant. Like, I, I was very curious to see a follow-up to that, and I didn't. So, Well, um, there have been many interviews with Batista uh, mm-hmm. recently because of, uh, you know, all the all the work he's getting out there. He's He's got some new ad campaign with Disney, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people have been interviewing him about various things. And one of the things he mentioned was is that after he got out of wrestling, he was pretty much broke because uh, his management really screwed him over when it came to making sure he was paying the appropriate taxes. So Ugh. I think yeah. that he's still dealing with bad management issues, and that's maybe why uh, he never got uh, asked to be uh, a voice on uh, What If. I 100% believe that, that yeah. like they never passed it on to him. Yeah. So. Um, I, I feel you. That sucks. Dave, if you're listening, <laughs> talk to some people, man. Get out there. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> you're too good. Get get some better agents. Right. Anyway, that's our show, y'all. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, I'm Matt Peters. And I'm Lex Lutz. Be excellent to each other. And we go. Goo. You did it. I did. Yeah.